Welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Oh, flat. Terrible. I guess you can check us out, netsdaily.com. <laughs> you can give us five stars on iTunes. Don't care. It doesn't really matter to me. I've been here before. Um, just at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. <laughs> we have more than 2,000 followers, which is kind of lame to even say, but no big deal. I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, all Brian. business. All business for Mike. Just going about our business as podcasters and as fans of an NBA team who just simply go about their business. You know, lunch pail guys. Just We're Dude. just clocked in here. It's just another game, Bri. Yeah, just another truly. basketball game. Truly. You know, you, 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 the guy throws it in the air. Two guys try to tip it away. And then whoever scores the most points wins. That's the basketball game. Bri. So the real reason that we're so low energy, though, is, well, at least from my perspective, from my end, um, you know, after that, you know, incredible, sensational, mind-blowing win where everything went well for us, it triggered, you know, an hours-long period of celebration um, of which – a person of my age needed a full day to recuperate. So now we're recording this Sunday at 8. Should have done it hours ago, but um, <laughs> I had to take a very prolonged midday nap. Um, so thank you, Mike. I want to extend a thank you to you um, for allowing Ryan, us, allowing me to... I want to, th- I want to thank you because we're fitting this in the window of which my 10-month-old went to bed and Game of Thrones is going to begin. Brian, the Nets are back. We truly are back. That could that have like an, on every level. So both from you know the strategic elements, um, to all the way down to foundational, you know, emotional tenor, the general like negative mm-hmm. vibes going on mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. On every level, mm-hmm. you have to begin to think that mm-hmm. God has blessed this season. You know, and, <laughs> and it's pot- potentially we might make it out of this first round. It seems as of now, it seems like there's some potential there for that to be the case. You know. Uh, so for sure. So like the the immediate fallout is the Nets at least won one, which is a fun thing to have done. They won game one of a game where they're going to the uber talented team's home court. Um, there was a special delight in this game of that the Sixers fans were booing their own team. They were booing Ben Simmons when he was at the free throw line. One for five from the free throw line, Mr. Ben Simmons. Nine points. Seven rebounds, three assists. Uh, Joel Embiid played, and that was the storyline going into the game. Would Joel play? And I don't know what you thought. I mean, it was pretty obvious that he wasn't – he's not right. Like, well, you know. The, the way the way in which he's not right is that he's, like, going to take the bait to shoot that three. Like, the, the plan was sag off him, let him shoot the three. And he was like, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Here I go, chucking some threes. Um, really paid off. Clanged off, I think, 0 for 5 or something. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, like, uh, the optics of all of that stuff, like, really, really interesting. Like, it's a team. This is why I love playing this team, because, like, you can really plan for them. Like, playing, like, locking in a strategy to play for Ben Simmons, I think, is, like, a pretty easy thing to do. It's it's the same as playing any, you know, just a limited not shooting uh, guard. Like, you just don't have to pick him up within you know, other, other than five, 10 feet, six feet away from the basket. You just don't need to pick up Ben Simmons. It um, was just a, yeah. it was a delicious tasting game from start to finish. It was Nets basically in control the entire game. Yeah. At one point, like getting close, you know, at the end of the first half, they gave up the big lead and the Sixers were threatening all throughout, but, but it was, so my viewing experience was more of an audio experience. I was actually in Philadelphia the day of the game. 
I began my day in Philly to pick up my black lab from my in-laws who came up from Maryland. Central point was Philadelphia. I was happy to be there. And I'm sitting in my car waiting for my wife to get a cheesesteak and a milkshake. And so I'm sitting across from a bar. Wow. But I can't go into the bar because my dog and 10-month-old are in the car and I would be uh, in jail. I think that's the term, in jail, if I had left those two in the car while I went to a bar to watch part of the basketball game. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the car. Watching it on my phone, uh, Fox Sports Go app. Actually, probably not because that's not true. I was watching DirecTV now. Another shout-out. Great streaming service. Mm. And um, across the street, Sixers fans in a bar. You're expecting a raucous sort of environment. Day drinking, beautiful day out. Everyone's a little inebriated already. This was a 2.30 tip. And you hear three cheers, the the totality of the first half. We were sitting outside the cheesesteak place for a long time. Three cheers. Uh, in the totality of the first half, and one was the Jimmy Butler three at the end of the first half to bring it within two. Um, then I'm driving, and I'm listening to the Sixers broadcast, which is crazy because they just have one dude. That's it. There's not a color analyst. It's just one dude talking. narrated? That's all? That he just, just, he, just yeah. he does both color and oh, play-by-play. Wow. He, he discusses what happened and then, then gets back into like, and Tobias Harris has the ball in the three-point line. Wow. And I'm, what a talent. And what and and what was um, sort of earth shattering to me was that he was saying the game was over at the start of the fourth quarter when the Nets were up by like fourteen. He was like game over. That was amazing. Like I, I couldn't even like the play like with three minutes to go. I think the uh, there was like we were up eleven or something. Like a completely not insurmountable sum, and the vibe was just like everyone's leaving. Like I, I mean I don't begrudge people <laughs> for leaving, but like the players themselves were like not at all interested in like even trying to make that comeback. Um, what yeah. is that about? Like, is there something even more that we don't know about? Like, is there something, you know, we, there's been long suspicion a long time that once, once Jimmy Butler got on the team, which by the way, like kind of give me Jimmy Butler now, mm-hmm. put me, give me him on the nets because Dude, he, was, he was, he was good, but he was also like, those were some of the fake newsiest fouls I've ever seen. Like it was pretty <laughs> annoying watching him get all those fouls. Um, and I want to, like, and obviously, like, so pe- most people are going to be listening to this on a Monday. So, like, we're going to spin it forward to game two and sort of I have a new segment for Brian to judge and decide if he wants to hop in or not. It's called Blip or Trend. Uh, but we'll get to that when it comes to that point. <laughs> Love these names. That's a that's a great name. Go on, please. But, but Jimmy, I mean, okay, so he has 36 points, no assists, right? He gets 13 free throws made. He makes 13 free throws. Joel Embiid's day is 22 <laughs> points, but he makes – 12 free throws. Now, you earn free throws, so I'm not disputing that. But those are like – it was th- – th- those don't get you momentum. Free throws don't give you momentum. doesn't get the crowd juiced up. That was all they had. They didn't – they never had like um, a, like a big spurt of, of comeback scoring. All of their comebacks were done by the free throw – via the free throw line, which is by far the lamest way to score any points. Like and and, yeah. and they didn't have any. They had maybe a couple of dunks. I don't really remember. And then what? No, like what was it? Two, three threes throughout the entirety of the game that they made. Mm-hmm. And threes now become you know sort of um, things that boost people up, you know, yeah. energy wise. So it was. You know what's so interesting about the NBA? It's like you get. You know, really, the season should be sixty games, and the last month of the season for most teams don't matter all that much. Mattered greatly for the Nets. And 
the first round is the forgotten round. Like typically whatever happened, you know, most people don't remember what happens in the first round, even in the third round of the <clears throat> NBA playoffs. You've mostly forgotten already what happened. You just know what teams advanced. But the energy in the crowd was terrible. Uh, the energy on the Sixers sideline was awful. And the Nets, I mean, we, we kind of joked about our like um, lunch pail attitude. It was a lunch pail game for the Nets. It was like, we're going to continue our, our same pattern of winning basketball games and take it against this Sixers team, Brian. I mean, it's it just seems to me that, like, I'll be really interested to see what, if anything, the Sixers do differently in Game 2. And that'll really dictate whether this is going to happen or not. Because, like, the, the ways in which we strategize against them was also, like, pretty conspicuous. Like, basically, any time that J.J. Redick was in the game... We were like, all right, get Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie in to punish him on the on the other side, like, and we'll just try to drive against JJ Redick like at will, um, which is a great thing to do. And he like couldn't they couldn't keep him in the game for that reason, um, and sagging off both Embiid and and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is really a uh, like I would be so triggered about Ben Simmons if I were <laughs> a Philadelphia fan because he does all of the things that I like. So he'll do things where like he'll just lurk around the rim and like <clears throat> his defender will be just chilling like you know like he'll just like basically let Jared Dudley pack the lane you know and just sit there just park it there and not do anything but like maybe poke around at, a, at an offensive rebound if he's not like you know leading the offense that play. Um I, I would like, I would really hate Ben Simmons right now if I were a Sixers fan. I think they do because they were booing him at the free. And it's like, that's the worst form of booing. Booing mm-hmm. at the free throw line to a guy who sucks at free throws, right? Yeah. Like, like what is he? He's not trying at the free throw. Like, I understand, like, not tr- like booing at someone for a bad defensive switch. Not that that ever happens, but, you know, some turnover right like you're you make a dumb play offensively in action booing a guy because he's shooting a free throw and missing is like there's literally if he could do something more he would do something more and he can't and it was so juicy even his like cryptic clapback about it was 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 a miss and and somebody was like i don't really know what that means stay on your side what did he yeah, so yeah, so if you didn't see this, so one of the reporters asked him, you know, this was a tough crowd. What did you think of the Sixers fans booing at times your own team? And he said something like, "What do you say like stay if if you're not stay on if your you're side. not yeah. yeah, if you're not for stay on your side or if you're not whatever some yeah. and it was like, "Oh my god." If, dude, if you're going to say like, anything about it, you know, you're you're going to want to you're going to want to take some time and and thresh it out fully um because I don't know what that means and basically it sounds like you're salty. Um so so Kenny said this after the game, Kenny Atkinson, the head coach of the Nets, if you're just catching up with us. First first time you're listening, thank you for joining us. Um, Kenny Atkinson said specifically after the game that they wanted to limit J.J. Redick and Tobias Harris. That was a goal of them going to the game, and you mentioned about you know putting in Lavert or Dinwiddie against Redick to try to punish him on the other side. Um, and yes, J.J. Redick had a poor shooting night, but really it, it was a limited shooting night it wasn't even a poor shooting night he, sh- he was two from seven from the field one for four from three so if he hit one more three okay so he would have been two for four and it would be like that, that's 50 yeah. percent he he was limited tobias harris was two for seven from the field as well over two from three he was limited um he had six to six which is assists which is uh a high mark for the team but those guys were limited specifically that is a game plan that the nets went into the game doing is saying you know, this was a strategy we've seen with a lot of teams who have these sort of massive stars. They're big producers, which is what Embiid, Butler, and Simmons are supposed to be. 
that actually the goal is not to limit them because there's little the Nets can do against Embiid if healthy, if he's healthy. Um, Jimmy Butler had in, uh, an insane game, but again, made 13 free throws. But the decision from the Nets was let's limit the role players, the quote-unquote role players, even though Tobias Harris is better than a role player, but on this team he's the fourth option. And J.J. Redick is dependent for the most part on – you know, these other players, you know, Ben Simmons to get him the ball in the right spot, Jimmy Butler to create enough of a mismatch where he drives the hoop and then can pass it out to J.J. Redick for an open three. They limited J.J. Redick and Tobias Harris, and that was the key to beating the Sixers. Um, now, I mean, it kind of like, what, what were you going to well, say? To that point, what where they all Tobias Harris's shots went to Mike Scott. That's... And that's exactly what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Scott, one for eight from the field, one for eight from three-point line. Yeah. Perfect. Um, a, there were so many amazing – I'm just going to run through like a couple of just enjoyable moments in the game, and then we're going to get to game two and get to my new segment, Blip or Trend. Um, and B checking his phone. Brian, where do you weigh on that whole – Mishmash. So is the deal that like Amir Johnson was just checking his phone and it was about like his sick kid or something? And that's exactly Joel well. That's what we're told. And Joel and me was just sort of like, "Oh, sucks that your kid's sick." Like, like hope that message goes through, or <laughs> I don't know. Like, like the the, the video. <laughs> I mean, okay, I would I understand why people are mad at Joel Embiid if you're a Sixers fan because you have give a your team gives a listless performance or whatever. And then you have this phone checking incident, and it's kind of made for ESPN headlines, which it was immediately put up into the headlines. Embiid in trouble for looking at phone during game. I mean, Amir Johnson's the one I think is getting fined for it, not Embiid because it was Amir Johnson's phone. He's not active, and he's checking his phone. I mean, if his daughter's like legitimately sick, and he, and Amir Johnson's sitting, if someone's sitting next to you, even on a subway train. And for some reason pulls out their phone and for some reason turns to you and says, my daughter is extremely sick. Well, you'd be pretty but, freaked out. But here's the thing. That's the whole point of having a kid in the first place is having a ready-made excuse like that for any time anything goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, and so, like, Amir Johnson, you know, I don't know what the real story is. I'm assuming he's telling the truth and this kid's really sick. But, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing I would do <laughs> if, I could, yeah, that's- if I had a kid and I got busted for that kind of thing. The whole point I'm learning now as a as a new father is that having a kid let, gets you out of things. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you excuses and gets you out of things. You don't want to go to the rehearsal dinner on Friday. Yeah, I have I have a child. Yeah. I have to watch that child. And if that child, you know, has an ear infection, there's truly nothing you can't get out of. Truly. Um, the one thing is that like, is this good? Is the does the Embiid phone incident motivate Embiid even more? Like, does it? And does it give him like a little bit of like a chip on the shoulder type crap? You know, the, the you know, like us against the world, that, that power that that us against the world mentality gives. Does it like influence Embiid? Does, does he play better because of, you know, the world's already avalanching around him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they um, if the personalities on that team have like coalesced into any of that us against the world kind of stuff. That's true. You know? I don't uh, I don't get the vibe as of now. And. I don't think that the sort of Sixers fans, at least as far as I could tell from the internet, get that feeling either. Um, apparently, people think that everyone hates Ben Simmons. That's so. Maybe this is just <laughs> Sixers, you know, the Negadelphia stuff. Um, but uh, I think that <laughs> that there is some suggestion that Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons isn't running the offense, he's a bit of a sourpuss, and it and it creates a lot of um, toxicity in the team or whatever. 
Um, I'll defend know. Ben Simmons because, like, if he isn't running the offense, he has no, he he has no he has nothing else to offer. If yeah. he's not the like, what he really should be doing is he should be on some team where he's basically Giannis, mm-hmm. but like a little bit li- like Diet Coke Giannis, mm-hmm. where like he's just you know he's doing the same thing. He's driving to the hoop or dishing off to three point shooters, but like he has full control of the offense. Um, and that's always been the problem with the Sixers. It's just been yeah. obvious. And at that point, like <clears throat> with the the differing levels of energy there, hard not to let Jimmy Butler just bring that ball up and go right to work. You know, you're going to want him to have the ball anyways. Um, real quick thing I want to pump through. Never handing over the lead. You know, it's remarkable that this team it, – okay, it's game one, but we're going to celebrate it a little bit. Um, it's remarkable that this team that who had – who had famously the Nets famously given away leads to begin the season mm. now had are in game one of the playoffs against a team that beat them in the regular season with a devastating three pointer at the buzzer, and they never acquiesce the lead throughout the entirety of the game. It would have been very natural for the Nets to have given up the lead at some point, gone down by six points, and then maybe come back to win the game. No, they they firmly place their foot on the throat of the Sixers. And, you know, as we said, people were leaving the game. People were leaving the game early mm-hmm. um, because of the listless performance. Um, I was actually happy also to see a fair bit of Brooklyn fans inhabiting the lower bowl, you know, where they belong. A um, couple of nice, you know, greasy-looking Nets fans, which I really appreciate. Fitting in with the greasy-looking yeah. Philadelphia fans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fine, and then one last thing, and then maybe we'll go on to – well, two last things. Jared Dudley, I'm in love with him. They should sign him to a max contract. He should be on this team for the rest of his Dude, life. Dude, I was talking about this. Jared Dudley is legitimately a really good player. Like, it's fully – he just is good, you know? There's no irony at all anymore. It's just like, give me more Jared Dudley. He he knows – he made so many – like, there when he was battling Boban, <clears throat> incredible. That, I mean, that was just so – I mean, Boban's a pretty smart player himself, and just like the craftiness that Jared Dudley had to do to get get his sack of potatoes body around. It, it's like on the Boban. funniest, the best, like super duper small ball five ever for like 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 just because he can he can just be so crafty and and punish even players like Boban who like one would think you know that's okay you, you know that's a, a a desperate mismatch like he didn't really do that much in those moments where he was getting guarded by Jared Dudley. He's such a he's truly a sack. You can't move him that easily. Even guys like Bobian. And it's a crime we haven't said his name yet, but Karis Levert, the the Levertissance has been rising steadily yeah. the past month now. And I think we've been also like just not trying to jinx it, you know? That's that's a big part. Like I don't want to like <laughs> it's such an elusive thing, you I know, know isn't I, don't, it? I don't want it to like be like, you know, Puxatani Phil and scare him off. There's yeah, there's something at like because it is so new that he's playing up to the level that he was basically playing at before he got hurt. It's that at any moment, it's small sample size, and at any moment you think, oh, maybe he's going to kind of go back down a little bit because he's tired, or I don't know. He's maybe not in the, the complete flow of the game that he was, but he was incredible. I think he had 23 points in 23 minutes, something like that. I saw mm-hmm. Puccio write that in the Nets Daily yeah. article. That's uh, showing out in the playoffs. We had our first, like, true, almost true D'Angelo Levert Dinwiddie game that we had been uh, that I had been calling for and waiting for since Levert got back from injury. That was Dinwiddie was solid. You know, he was incredible, but he was pretty solid. D'Angelo was awful in the first half, but then really, obviously, he was the guy carrying the team in the second half, and Levert was the guy carrying the team in the first half. It was exactly what, and we talked about this before the the series. Those three guys are going to be the reason why the Nets are going to win because 
the Sixers have no defensive offerings that, that can really stop. If two of them on the floor at the same time, they, they don't have two guys that can guard yeah. one of those two players. I would love it if Jared Allen could figure out a way to to get it going with, with some pick-and-roll action, free up D'Angelo a little bit here. That would be the next level thing. But, you know, in the absence of that, things still cruising along here, Smeltzy. And Ed Davis, man. Oh, Ed my Davis God. Just... Don't give me... How come, like, Ed Davis is so good at finishing, too? Really improbably good. Like, you don't... That's not... That, that for me, was never part of the scouting report. And he really can, like, turn around. He hit, like, a 270 lefty hook at one point that had no business going in that looked super fluid. I, I love... I just love watching him play because there's no um, indecisiveness. Like, mm-hmm. it, he knows exactly what he is doing at every moment he's on the floor. If he gets the ball on offense after, like, he sets a pick and the guy has to pass it back to him near the top of the key, there's not even a second in his mind where he's like, I'm going to shoot a three here. It's, like, completely like, I'm just going to find another guard. And you know what? Set another pick. I would say if there's any kind of, like, coalescing identity, it's it's sort of that trait that, the, like, that it seems like Sean Marks is looking for. He's just like, get me the Joe Harris's, the, like, you know, you know we're going to be in our... Uh, three-point attack, you know, it's we're either going to be passing, driving, or shooting, like, right when we touch the ball. There's really nobody on our team that kind of does any of any of those annoying things. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's the closest that we have, and I love it, you know. He's the person that's allowed to pound the ball if he if he really wants to. And, and he, he was, I think he was one for ten in the first half at one point from the field, and the allowance that he's built up over, over this season, the, all the good credentials that he's built up, you know, Atkinson continued to have left in the game again to start the season. D'Angelo wasn't on the floor at the end of games right. because Atkinson didn't trust him. I mean, that would—that's why he wasn't on the floor. Not that Atkinson said that, but you're not on the floor because you're not really trusted by the coach. He goes one for ten in the first half, and then he but pays also, it all off. He went one for ten, and I don't think anyone that's watched a meaningful amount of Nets games at any point was like, "Yeah, D'Angelo's just not going to have a good game." Like, he, every, I think everybody realized like he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. He'll get his shot going, and it takes him no time to heat up. Okay, let's do this. Let's get a quick break in, and then we'll be back with Game 2, Blipper Trend, new segment. Brian blip, blip, right blip, Blipper Trend. All right, welcome back to the Blue Guys. Um, Brian, new segment here, new segment blip, alert. Blip, 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 Blipper Trend. Blip or Trend. Blipper Trend is a new segment where we are going to analyze things that happened in Game 1 and whether they will continue Game 2, Game 3, Game 4. Wow. Well. And if if there's any more games after that, Nets may sweep. We don't know. The, you may have guessed it. It's not a, not a, not a very mysterious um, premise. Blip or trend is the thing that happened in game one. And I will posit each of those. And you can jump in whenever you want. Um, a trend is, is the thing that happened in game one a repeated act? Is that going to be a trend or a blip? Is it a one-time valley or spike in performance? Wow. Brian. Wow. First. Wow. Embiid's health. Blip or trend? Oh, trend. Trend all day. You see the size of that ice pack? Yeah, that's a trend. Yeah. That's a trender right yeah. there. Do you think they made a mistake by playing Embiid game one? Uh, Well, Ultimately. I can't. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I like that Jimmy Butler came in hot. He had a fiery hot take about it. Um, Ooh, what did he say? Well, it wasn't really, but he like pretty, <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty judiciously slipped into some subtext that he shouldn't have played in that game. Um, it's like, love having Joel out there. Hope it doesn't cost us, you know, future games. Because I think Jimmy Butler has wow. no doubt in his mind that he's going to get out of this round. Um, which I would say is, you know, that's it's great that he has that personal belief. But I don't know if that's the universal belief in this in this current situation. Um, 
but uh yeah he said something to the effect of like love having him here but um gotta be careful with your health kind of thing well, um, so obviously i don't want to see mb play any more games i want to i want to be fully healthy for next season that's I, my biggest concern i'll, I'll I even him, take my his health is my number one concern. so here's the thing it's it's kind of the best situation that he's not actually fully injured or not him being in the game and being hurt is it creates a very difficult like situation like he's not like obviously he's he's like he doesn't like Doris Burke was saying like is the reason that he's allowing them to sag off him and he's actually taking the bait and shooting those shots really poorly um, because he doesn't want to grind down there and work for those points like he had been like you know he spent the first uh, you know he did it for the first like five or six shots and then like from then on you did not see him take a lot of a lot of close shots and like having a guy who's willing to you know he starts like what like 28% from the three point line or something like now yeah. his percentages well, went way down that's a uh, great that's a great person to have shooting a lot of shots from there it's the thing where it's like if he's not in the game, then they can change their game plan and focus maybe around Ben Simmons and putting more shooters on the floor with him and Ben Simmons being the complete focal point or Jimmy Butler being the complete focal point. But because he's out there and he played well considering that his knee is apparently hurt, like he he has a hurt knee. It is sore. Um, he did play well and beat – I mean, he, what, he got 25 and 12 or whatever. Again, a lot of it at the free throw line. But – by him being in there, it's like a half measure. It's they still have to continue to feed him. He's still the focal point of the offense, but because he's not at a hundred percent, it diminishes the the maximum that the, the Sixers can play. Now, of course, this was one game, so you know Embiid Embiid has an amazing matchup against the Nets. There's really nothing that they can do if he's healthy. But you know, we're going off what we saw game one. Game one, he was diminished and. It's unlikely to get better because he had all this treatment leading up to it. He missed all these games leading up to the playoffs. He played game one when he was allegedly doubtful. You know, that designation really doesn't mean all that much in the grand scheme of things because doubtful should have meant that he didn't play, but he did. Um, He's not healing by playing. So it's unlikely that he's going to suddenly have this surge of athleticism shoot through his knee if he's not healing. You know what I'm saying? Um, so while he may be effective, I say it's a trend, Brian trend, Mm, bing, um, blipper trend, Brian, the Sixers, three point shooting, just three of 25 from three blip or trend. Clearly a blip. Um, though, you know, not without some, you know, uh, nod to that. Like, obviously we, we had a certain series of strategies that could lead to something they worked out or you know and a lot of guys weren't hitting shots but gotta believe people are gonna be hitting shots you know eventually um blipper trend jared allen his performance i unfortunately think that's a trend this is a bad a bad matchup just for him in particular with with joel jared allen needs to learn how to take charges if this is gonna change for him like if he can learn how to take charges in the next 24 hours then it could be a blip um, but without that, like that's been kind of like the the one thing that's been missing from his defensive repertoire, at least on a one to one basis. And also, like the Sixers, like play pretty ISO heavy everything. Like there's not um like their whole offense is is basically everyone taking turns doing what they do. And when it's Joel Embiid's turn, he doesn't get to be the help defender in the way that like he kind of excels at. So unfortunately, he's going to be a bit of a trend here. Yeah, and I just don't. I don't think like we're gonna we're not gonna have a Jared Allen game. 
you know, we may have a game where he gets like 12 points and eight rebounds and three blocks. That would be a good a good game. He played nine minutes and had four fouls. You know, he had two two points and five rebounds, and he had an assist. Way to go, Jaron Allen. Wow. Um, it's just a bad matchup. They're never going to – like basically on offense, when he sets a pick, it doesn't really make all that much sense. He's only going to get like second-chance points because – it doesn't really make all that much sense to throw to him on a roll unless he's completely wide open. Just there's a lot of tall dudes on the Sixers, and it's tough to, you know, kind of get those pocket passes in against them and all that kind of crap. So, you know, the focus for him is how can I be as disruptive as I can on defense without fouling four times in nine minutes? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be hard. Um, but I don't hate the strategy of just fouling Joel Embiid a lot. Because again, it, it disrupts flow. It it while it does give him the chance to sort of rest and not have to use his athleticism to try to score a bucket where he can just stand at the free throw line and shoot. It just it damages what the Sixers want to be doing completely on offense. It stops them from shooting threes. It stops them from you know creating enough of a mismatch down low to where then it gets kicked out and JJ Redick or whoever Mike Scott is wide open. Um, yeah, but I think this isn't going to be Jared Allen's series, which is fine. Um, final blip or trend. The mood of the 76ers. And you can take that any way you want. Um, that feels like a trend. That feels like a, a months-long trend. And we're just, you know, the beneficiaries of it culminating into what you currently see here. Um, that's my take on it. I don't know. I'm just piecing it together from various, you know, sports blogs and comment boards and stuff um you know after the fact but it seems like there has been a little bit of that toxic coffee percolating you know for for a good while now yeah and so like what i would predict is going to happen is the sixers are going to win game two because if they don't win game two then it's like it's people it's, are... it's truly a, a, a serious problem at that point yeah people are kayaking up the school the school of kill river the sk- is that the one is that <laughs> Skakel. The one? Called the Skakel. The Skakel? Yeah. On that water? Like the Skakel. Um, they're going to be going up there with their Yinglings. Is Yingling. <laughs> the way that you're really... saying it is, you've gone, what, like you went full Kentucky or something. <laughs> <laughs> going up there with their Yinglings. Um, Mark Twain. Mark Twain, uh, whatever. Uh, I, was, I know I, I just totally blanked on the name of Mark Twain's book. That is so bad. One H- of his. Huckleberry books. Finn? No, the Connecticut Yankee. That's mm. right. No, I don't even know what that's called. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, I think the Sixers. My prediction for Game Two is the Sixers are going to win. It just it, that's how these things work. It, you know, the, they'll have uh, because they're at home. Mike Scott will suddenly hit seven from eight from three, and you know, JJ Redick will get. They'll focus more on getting JJ Redick so shots. Let me just interrupt you. you. You've watched Mike Scott in the past. Um, yes. I'm a, I'm is, a, I'm what a, is his meme? Give me the meme, because like he looked really bad, and I've I'll, I haven't really ever seen the I I know what, why he's on good teams. Like yes. I get what he represents, but I've never really seen him do good things. He's he's Mister No One. Everyone forgets about him on the floor, and then he's wide open from three. And and I'm not saying he typically makes a shot, but he'll have games where he's five from seven from three, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh <clears throat> shit, Mike Scott just beat us tonight because mm-hmm. he scored 15 points when we were accounting for six from him. Mm-hmm. That's his. He's. He's a burly-ish mm-hmm. power forward who's not that tall, but burly-ish who will just float around and wait for a three. And he sometimes hits him. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Scott fan. Big Mike Scott. Okay, so Huge. you, you watched him for a long time and you like him. Okay. Um, I like him. 
So, yeah. So, like, that's also one of the startling things is that the, the Sixers bench was so bad besides Boban. Uh, typically, bench plays better at home, just how it kind of works. Um, don't at me, 538. I don't know the statistics behind it. It's just my own opinion. The thing about the Sixers bench, though, is that there aren't that many guys on it besides Mike Scott and Boban that can score um, – have the surprise game, right? Like, where the Nets have Spencer Dinwiddie immediately coming off the bench, and, like, you may get 25 from Spencer. Basically, no one's coming off the Sixers bench and, like, really kicking ass. That's just They don't have that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the advantage. I will say one thing, good trend for the Nets. Karut's got zero points. Jared Allen, two points. I mean, Damari was three from ten from the field and got 11 points. He happened to hit all four three thro- free throws. Jared Dudley, four points, not that shocking. Trayvon Graham, two points, not that shocking. They'll love his defense at the game. 16 minutes from Trayvon Graham in a playoff. Who thought we would be saying that when the season began? Um, Nets have room for improvement. Joe Harris didn't have a great game. He was mm-hmm. fine. You know, he didn't have an, like, an amazing Joe Harris game. Um, so there's room for there's room for the Nets to even to go to a higher level. Yeah. I'm actually pretty surprised that the Sixers want Boban because, like, a player like that that's so hyper specialized, and you need to like really have a pretty like well thought strategy for for deploying like a guy that just like is not gonna, it's going to take forever to get back on defense, and and when he gets there is like a massive switching liability. Um, like you need to be really careful about how you use that guy, especially for like a, against a second team like ours, who's like maybe the best in the league. Um, it's such a like I don't. I, I would say like Brett Brown does a lot of things I would I, that would trigger me and like if I were a Sixers fan again playing a lot of Boban it's it's like it's not a terrible idea but you have to be pretty specific about like where you pull call it's like I don't know it's like it's like having like a knuckleball pitcher or, or something it's like such a right. specialized player that you got to really kind of pick your spots with it um, and they just kind of seem to throw him out there you know like yeah, as just like their go to second second team center all right final thoughts game two coming up Monday night um. Where, where where's your head at, uh, dude? I you know it's hard for me to tamper this kind of you know this little <laughs> this this uh, small sample size theater. Um, what's what do you, is it the winning bias or what do you call that? Um, I don't know. There's that logical fallacy. Anyways, I'm stupidly confident right now, um, and it's cladding <laughs> all of my ability to be objective. So I'm like I'm all about a game two win and like just cruising right back home. I know that it's that's a, probably not a- going to happen, but. It's that game one, like, drunk buzz confidence that you yeah. get. That you're just like, yeah, this yeah. is the way life's going to be. <laughs> yeah. This no, is life. Surely the pendulum yeah. will never swing back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I predict <clears throat> Sixers are going to win just because that's how things work. But um, but that's, like, that's it's just an appeal to, like, the universe. And there's a new, like, paradigm in this universe where the Nets are, like, way better coaching, have way better coaching than teams like this. And, um, like, all of our – I don't know. I, I can't – I'm, I'm I'm finding it hard to like still continually doubt the magic magical qualities of this team. Um, thank you all for listening. Well, that's it. at BK Google on Twitter, iTunes five stars. We want them, we need them, we have to have them. Brian, good night. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Sorry.